Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Did you know that you can claim CME credit for many of TMA Practice Well podcasts? Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash C-M-E-T-O-G-O. Register for your podcast and follow the instructions to claim CME. The content of CME to go podcasts do not relate to any product of a commercial interest. Therefore, there are no relevant financial relationships to disclose. Please be advised that the information and opinions presented as part of this podcast should not be used or referred to as a primary legal source and does not replace the advice of your healthcare attorney. Hi, I'm Heather Betridge, Associate Vice President of Practice Management Services at the Texas Medical Association. Many practices in Texas have staff working remotely in some capacity, whether by choice due to space or budget issues or having multiple practice locations or due to necessary decisions made while struggling through the COVID-19 pandemic and statewide um, shelter-in-place order. Like many of you, I have transitioned from daily scheduled face-to-face meetings and interactions with my staff to online meetings in apps like Zoom and Microsoft Teams. Some things have worked really well, and some of it has been a learning experience. So in the next half hour or so, I'm going to share some strategies and lessons learned that I hope will help you manage your staff who work remotely outside of your your primary brick and mortar location. I'll touch upon who within medical practices might work remotely, the benefits and challenges that this opportunity may bring, and the solutions to those challenges. And then to close, I'll wrap it up with a few um, lessons learned, some tips for success. And please know that, that this discussion does not exclusively pertain to staff who just work remotely from home. It's also very applicable to staff you just may not see on a daily basis. Maybe you have staff who work in your um, administrative office that's located on a a different floor or different suite or in the building across the street. Um, Or you have staff working in a secondary location or a satellite clinic that's 20 miles away. But it it is very applicable for managing staff members who are new to working from home due to extenuating circumstances like COVID-19. So let's get started. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, about 24% of the U.S. workforce who work full-time works from home. And if we drill the data down further, we find that about 4% more women work from home than men, and that the higher the education a person has, the more likely they are to work remotely. 
And the demand for flexibility um, regarding where and how employees work has been building for many years. In fact, according to a survey administered by um, Global Workplace Analytics, 80% of employees want to work from home at least some of the time, and over a third would take a pay, uh, pay cut in exchange for the flexibility. But let's dive deeper into flexibility. According to the survey's findings, Flexibility is one of the highest ranked benefits by millennials. And so let me clarify that a millennial is considered to be a person between 18 and 34 years old. Flexibility, though, ranked high for baby boomers, too, although the percentage was lower by 15 or so points, with baby boomers being persons 55 years of age or older. Similarly, according to a 2016 Gallup poll, 47% of millennial respondents and 31% of baby boomers responded they would change jobs for the opportunity to work remotely full time. So about 35% say they would change jobs for the opportunity to work remotely full time. And it's only an increase of 2% more who say they would change jobs for the opportunity to work remotely, even just some of the time. And that statistic can be broken down to 50% of millennials and 33% of baby boomers. So workplace flexibility is important for a significant percentage of our workforce. Let's first briefly go over which roles in your practice might be a good fit for working remotely. And I'll start with the most common, which is billing staff, your coders, charge entry and payment posting staff, and patient collectors, and insurance specialists, or those staff verifying and documenting insurance benefits, and acquiring pre-certs or pre-authorizations, and AR and appeal specialists. So your billing staff. Um, also staff who answer your incoming phone lines your schedulers, so those staff scheduling in-office visits as well as any procedures and surgeries. Transcriptionists or scribes who may be conferenced into the exam room during a patient encounter. Triage nurses, um, caseworkers or nurse care managers. Uh, mental and behavioral health providers and dietitians, And even management. Um, administrators and executive leadership, they may work remotely too. Although you may not think as managers or administrators as remote workers, sometimes they are, just not in the tradi traditional sense, especially if you have more than one practice location, you know, and, and their time is split between those locations, right? So there's a wide variety of roles within a medical practice that may be a good fit for staff to work remotely in some capacity, either full or part-time, if you find that this type of work environment works for you and the culture and workflow of your practice. What are some of the benefits of staff working remotely? Well, studies show that um, staff are often happier and more engaged when they are without the stress of commuting to the office or having to be away from loved ones and not being disrupted by the regular workplace interruptions. And we've already talked about that 
uh, desire for flexibility. According to a survey from Indeed, which you're probably familiar with Indeed as it's a popular large recruitment platform, Indeed says that about three quarters or 75% of remote workers cite work-life balance as the top benefit of working remotely. And more than half say it reduces stress, absences, and sick days, and improves uh, morale amongst the staff too. But even more so, when employees feel content with their jobs, their overall happiness increases. And, and that's because work satisfaction gives us a sense of purpose. And with a sense of purpose, we generally feel more content and, and less disdain with, with who we are and what we do, right? Another benefit is productivity. Productivity is often increased because staff are immediately engaging in work-related activities and not spending time commuting to, you know, the practice, which the national average is a 26-minute commute one way. So not getting stressed out by traffic or road construction or fighting their way through bad weather. And actually, um, a two-year study from Stanford indicates that employees working from home saw dramatic productivity boosts. So great, in fact, that it amounted to an extra full day's worth of work each week. So it's just pretty astounding. Studies also show that a large percentage, around 80% of remote workers have lower stress levels than those who work on site. And we know that stress is a contributor to mental health issues like anxiety and depression. Stress is the, in the workplace is definitely a negative with regard to productivity. So anything that curbs workplace stress is going to be useful for your practice. And many employers report decreased absenteeism from staff. In fact, according to the same Indeed survey I just mentioned, 50% of responding employers say that working remotely has positively affected or improved their absenteeism rate. Some practices may see a decrease in cost because they need less office space. Global workspace analytics indicates that employees are not at their assigned workstation 50 to 60% of the time when they're in the office. That's a big waste of money to spend on real estate if it's not being used. And think about the equipment not being utilized and maybe collecting dust. They also say that an employer may save about $11,000 a year for every staff member who works remotely half the time. They also state that employees can save between two and $4,000 a year working remotely part-time too by saving on gas for their car, appropriate practice clothing, and lunches out during the week. And it's for this reason that some remote workers may accept lower salaries in exchange for the flexibility. You might also attract staff members with specific skill sets and knowledge who have gotten a taste of, of working remotely somewhere else. They enjoy it and they want to continue in a similar arrangement. It's really no wonder that remote friendly companies attract workers from various areas and across all age generations. So providing the option to work remotely 
can be a powerful differentiator for practices looking to be more attractive to candidates looking for employment. And if you're in a market or have a patient population where you need to frequently have translation services, it may be easier to attract and hire someone who is fluent in the language that you need. And this would also potentially and positively affect patient satisfaction scores and patient loyalty to your practice. Allowing staff to work remotely may be great for staff retention too. You might not lose employees if they move, and they may be more likely to continue working during times when they normally would have taken a leave of absence, even if they reduce their hours. And the last benefit that I'll mention is related to climate change and global warming, which are, are both hot topics right now. Many practices have cited going green as one of the reasons for shifting some employees towards a remote work culture. Reducing carbon footprints is a, is a win for all of us. Okay, so with all that being said, allowing staff to work remotely poses challenges as well, like bonding with staff. Getting to know each other on a, a personal level definitely increases the level of trust and rapport of a team. Unfortunately, this is something that is harder to achieve when working remotely, but opportunities to bond on a personal level with staff won't just present themselves. So you need to make that happen. Start the conversation. Don't make it you know, all business all the time. Make small talk about things not directly related to healthcare. So you have some rapport for them as, as people outside the context of work or the clinic. Especially encourage this amongst your staff, because when staff know each other and see each other as regular people, they're typically more willing to help each other and feel more cohesive as a team. When you have staff working remotely, it can be challenging for your feedback. It may not be immediate or and, and in some cases staff don't get feedback at all. Without that, though, staff may feel an uncertain about their performance and, and frankly, they don't know what they're doing right or wrong or in which areas they need improvement. Ask for regular feedback. Don't wait for your staff to give you feedback. Ask them for it. And it can feel awkward at first, but I promise they will appreciate your desire to help them improve. So have an open door policy with regard to communication, but also schedule one-on-ones with them to have in-depth talks or discussions about the performance and, and productivity. Staff who work remotely need to be very self-directed and motivated. Constant interruptions from family members or chores staring at you may prevent them from being productive at times. And finding a quiet place to take phone calls and have meetings may be challenging. But focusing on work gets easier when staff really find their groove and learn how to eliminate or at least minimize potential distractions from around them. Ask that staff keep personal devices away from the work area. Silence app notifications. Have firm rules with their family members. Mute landline telephones and the doorbell or install pet doors so indoor, outdoor pets can come and go on their own. 
have them work off self-managed to-do lists and, and all the tasks that they should finish before, say, taking a break or signing off for the day. And when all other planning fails, become real familiar with their phone's mute button. And then time differences. Let's say your phone triage nurse moves or your billing person lives on the West Coast or maybe even overseas. The problem is when your workday doesn't overlap with that staff members. And in those times, communicating in real time will rarely happen. So plan ahead. Designate times for meetings so that no one person is sacrificing their personal time to attend. And use a time zone converter to know what time it is before you call them or, or schedule a meeting. You don't want to accidentally schedule a 5 a.m. phone call or a meeting. There's all kinds of converters online that you can choose from. But remember, you don't have to wait until staff is online or connected to ask what you need or to pass along information. Assign tasks in a, in a scheduler or taskmaster and send an email that can be waiting for them to tackle once they start their workday. Okay, so a, a few tips for success. One of the biggest holdbacks to staff working remotely is trust. Some managers do not trust their staff to work unsupervised. They're used to managing not leading, but managing by walking around and counting warm bodies rather than measuring output of results. That's not managing, and it's certainly not leading. It's babysitting. But just because you can see a staff member, that really tells you nothing about whether they're actually working and being productive at that moment or any time, right? So how will you know if staff are working? Well, how do you know they're working out? It's the results, their output, that's what matters. And it may be challenging at first, but your worries about lost productivity will eventually go away. There's, there's really no reason to treat staff differently based on their work location. So treat all staff, those who work in the, in the practice and those who work remotely the same. Remote workers should have equal access to you. Remember, your in-office staff see you in the hallway, they might eat lunch with you, and they can just pop their head in your office on the way you know, back from a, from a restroom break. Remote workers don't have that access, so they can feel distant. So respond to them as quickly as you would if someone is right in front of you. And sometimes you might ask your in-office staff to set an appointment or it's not a good time or come back later. Compared to on-site staff members, remote workers are more likely to feel like they're gossiped about or that their priorities are not fought for. So consciously incorporate small talk or unstructured time before meetings. It's important to build that trust and connection within a month's staff. Research shows that intentional, unstructured time helps staff members better understand one another and both collectively and individually improve performance. The Harvard Business School found that taking as little as six minutes at the beginning of a meeting 
for staff to share what they've been doing or to discuss things from their personal lives can improve a team's working relationship. Frequent communication is paramount. Though remote work eliminates water cooler conversations, emails, messaging, and, and texting amongst staff is, is a popular alternative. But all communication is not equal. Research shows in-person conversations build trust and get people to pay attention more, more closely. So when being together isn't possible, use video calls as these better simulate face-to-face -face conversations. And communicate strategically too. Be deliberate with maintaining good eye contact and lessen the movement of your head. Newscasters are, are really good at doing this. Keep in mind that when the bulk of communication with remote workers happens via email or messaging, it doesn't take much for feathers to get ruffled needlessly. Small misunderstandings or assumptions of reading into the tone of chosen words or message that could have been immediately nipped in the bud in preventing the issue from snowballing into drama. On the other hand, though, if staff are constantly messaging, texting, or emailing you, you may actually need to reassess whether they should be working in the practice rather than remotely, so, so pay attention to that. But set clear expectations. This ties um, directly back to trusting your staff. Everyone has a different idea of what doing something quickly or doing something well means. So show examples of what you expect to be done and share calendars for due dates. Make sure you have and set clear expectations because the more prepared they are, the better they can meet your needs. And always make yourself available in case there's questions. Set expectations not just for work or, or productivity, but also for the video or virtual meetings. For example, during your meeting, ban multitasking or using other devices. It's distracting and, and really most people aren't, aren't very good at hiding it very well anyway. You may need to help staff prioritize their work. And you can help coach them by telling them to eat the frog first. This refers to a saying attributed to Mark Twain. Eat a live frog first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of their day. Their frog is their biggest, most important task. And one that they are most likely to procrastinate on if they don't do something about it. So, First thing when they start working, eat that frog. Encourage staff to create a designated workspace. Some experts even say that they should have a physical barrier where they can separate their work and personal spaces, like a closing door or placing a, a standing room divider so it feels like a separate space. Or staff do not have a dedicated area, encourage steps as simple as putting laptops out of sight when office hours are over, like in a drawer, which can help them avoid the temptation to log back on and continue working. Separate work and personal devices too. Recommend that they have a separate laptop 
for work and one for personal use. It won't be as tempting to switch over to shop on a, on a dedicated work computer or log into work after hours on a personal device. And when working remotely, there's, there's no rigid schedule. So you might find that certain staff are working from dusk to dawn, if not careful. Disconnecting can be tough, but not doing so can lead to staff burnout. And then you'll find yourself in the situation of having to recruit. So encourage staff to set an alarm, indicate their work hours. For example, there's an 8 a.m. alarm that says get to your desk and a 5 p.m. alarm signals for them to wrap things up and walk away. And have them block time. So block their lunch time on their calendar to make sure that no one schedules meetings during that time. As tempting as it may be for staff to just continue working while eating, they really won't be as productive as they think, and they won't appropriately replenish their, their mind and energy. Encourage staff to, to turn off or mute the sound notifications on their laptop when shutting down for the evening or for the weekend so they're not drawn back to their work because they're going to check and see what was that notification for, thinking, what did I forget? Make sure staff have um, the technology they need to be successful. Know that this may be more than just a laptop. For example, if the expectation is that staff participate in virtual meetings, do they have an adequate camera? Don't assume that staff know how to operate the equipment either. You may need to walk them through the use of the camera or a microphone or, or certain apps that they'll be using. And nothing makes uh, remote workers worry as much as an internet outage or a computer crash. Even Wi-Fi hotspots can be spotty. Apps can kick them out of a meeting and, and so on. So for everyone's peace of mind and to avoid delays in work, have a backup plan. A mobile hotspot device like a MiFi or a cell phone plan that allows tethering can save them and, and really you when the internet does go out. A backup computer or a tablet can at least get them through the day until the issue can be repaired. So have that, have that plan in case it does happen. Also, actively monitor staff morale. Regularly incorporate questions into conversations with staff. Find out what's working well. What can be improved? What isn't working well and, and how can you make it better? When staff are not physically together, it's more important than ever to maintain staff morale. Personally, thank them. Thank staff for the work that they do and publicly recognize a job well done by specific staff members. For staff, there is nothing that affirms their value more than being recognized by the physicians or management for whom they work. Encourage healthy habits. Knowledge work tends to be sedentary work, no matter where someone's office is. However, when at home, it's easier to slip into bad habits. So my refrigerator is 32 steps from my work desk. 
and then couple that with less exercise, I may or may not have gained a few pounds since working from home. Some staff, though, may have the opposite problem. They get so preoccupied with their work, they just forget to eat. So encourage staff to be mindful when working remotely about their health habits. Maybe have them set reminders in their calendar or have a notification sound when it's time to take a break or eat something or, or get outside for a walk. And practice patience. Dogs will bark, a child will talk, the doorbell will ring. Acknowledge that things are different, not perfect, just different. And you'll find your way through it together. This is an important message to deliver with, with sincerity and confidence. Especially if staff aren't regular remote workers and are working remotely due to a time of pandemic like COVID-19. Staff are going to look to you or your management for leadership and guidance, for empathy and reassurance that everything's going to be okay. And for staff who typically work on site at the practice, deprivation of social interaction with their teammates is very real. They may feel very disconnected and even insecure. So keeping morale healthy and open communication lines is fundamental for productivity to flourish. Be accessible. Answer questions thoughtfully. Make every attempt um, or every effort to keep one-on-one -on -one meetings with staff. Try not to cancel, certainly not on a regular basis. Staff often anticipate check-ins and meetings with you, so try, try to attend those as, as often and frequently as possible. Remote work arrangements can vary widely from workers who work on a different floor to those who are home one or two days a week to those who live in an entirely different city or country from the practice. And the specific roles within the practice will vary in terms of how well they're suited for remote work. And of course, all of the tips I shared today for managing remote workers will depend on your specific team members and the type of practice that you have. I hope that you are able to use this information to find what really works for you, to find that balance, and to help you successfully manage staff, whether working on site or remotely. TMA has other resources to help with practice viability. Bookmark www.texmed.org forward slash practice viability, where TMA's comprehensive COVID-19 practice viability toolkit can be found. This toolkit collates much of the information, resources, and links physicians need to make informed decisions about their practices viability during this pandemic. We've organized the toolkit topically and have embedded hyperlinks throughout so you can quickly and easily find the information that you need. Thank you for joining me and I look forward to having you back at the next program.